0: Detroit, who are now watching in your PJs, we just want you to know we're all little bit jealous of you today. Uh, today, what we're doing is we are continuing our series called Riding the Storm. And what we've been talking about is what do we do when storms come into our lives, and we have to figure out how do we navigate that, uh, and how do we make sure that we handle it in a healthy way. So today, we're going to be continuing that series. You're going to get to hear from Ryan Valdiviaz and Jim McCormick. They're our worship leaders here at our church. Uh, and you're also going to get to hear uh, a message from me where we talk about specifically what it looks like to navigate the storms in your life. Also, I want to let you know that when it comes to social media, uh, if you're here in the North, northern Michigan area. You can follow us on social media. We're on Instagram, we're on Facebook, and we're on Twitter. And then if you're downstate as well, uh, you can follow the Kensington accounts down there as well. It's one of the best ways to get all the information you need and what's going on at our church. Well, I think we're about to get started. Thanks so much for tuning in, and we'll see you in a second.
1: Here we go. Sing this out.
2: I was buried beneath my shame. Who could carry that kind of weight? It was my till I met I was being
1: Ready to belt this out? Let's sing it together.
2: I needed a rescue, my sin was heavy, but chains break.
3: to Kensington. We're so happy that you are here. You guys are the tough ones, uh, braving the elements, getting here. You know, I find it kind of interesting because, what, we have been getting pelted since Friday with like a foot or more of snow and rain and sleet. Yet we are the only Michigan-Kensington campus that is open today. They got nailed with ice downstate, but we're open, so that shows our grit here in northern Michigan. Yeah! And I do want to welcome everyone watching us online uh, from downstate and all over the country. And hey, if this is your first time ever joining us at Kensington, welcome. We are so happy that you're here, especially on a day like today where you have to brave the elements, and if you have any questions about us or who we are, why we do what we do, or questions about maybe a next step for you, I'd invite you to uh, visit our starting point table out in the lobby, uh, and we can answer those questions, or if you want to be a little more anonymous, we do have a mobile-friendly website that you can go to, and that website is startingpoint.today. You can fill out the form and tell us how we can best serve you uh, in your journey. So I have uh, just a couple of announcements for you guys. These are in your programs, by the way. Uh, We have a couple of great marriage events coming up. How many of you are married? Raise your hand if you're married. All right, so this September, uh, my wife Danny and I are going to be celebrating our 20-year anniversary. And I know that we're just newlyweds compared to some of the couples in this church. I know people have been married 50, 60 years, which is just amazing. But one of the things that I've learned after 20 years is that to have a really healthy marriage, we need to spend time intentionally working on our marriage. That is really important to God, and therefore it's really important to Kensington. So we have two great events coming up. The first is a four-week series. Series called Vertical Marriage. It starts on Sunday, April 29th. Also, on Saturday, May 12th, we have a half-day marriage conference that you guys are welcome to come to, and you can get information on both of these on our website at kensingtonchurch.org. The last thing I'd like to share with you guys is about a great event coming up here at Kensington. It's our Spring Serve, and I'd like to invite my good friend Jamie Hall to come on up. She knows way more about this than I do. So let's get a round of applause for Jamie. Good morning. Good morning. And Jamie, um, tell us about Spring Serve. What is it?
4: Yeah, so this year um, we have taken two of our local partners that um, we've always partnered with through the years. They're Freedom Builders and Kids Hope. Um, Freedom Builders, we repair homes. And Kids Hope, we mentor students at Traverse Heights. Um, And what we are doing this year is we are going to repair our students' homes that we've been mentoring. So these kids that we've mentored from anywhere to a year, some five years, some even beyond that, we're actually gonna, gonna go into their homes and repair some much needed home repairs. Um, many of these families live in mobile homes. In um, one specific little boy's room that we're gonna be repairing, he's got a roof leak that is leaking onto his bed. So to be able to go in and partner with them even further on the journey is gonna be pretty exciting.
3: So for people who are sitting here today, what exactly would be expected of them if they were gonna serve on spring service?
4: Yeah, so you guys don't need any skills at all. Um, we have people that will work right alongside you. So basically you're just gonna show up uh, bring your heart to serve. We'll equip you with any tools, anything that you might need. Um, and then someone will work right alongside you to get those projects done. And so um, we just need need your heart to be on the
3: site. Awesome. Willing hands. Yes. And uh, what are the dates again?
4: The date is May 10th, 11th, and 12th. So it's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Um, and if you can't do that, we have another opportunity. We are blessing the teachers at Traverse Heights. So these are in the K-Kids hallway. You guys can pick these up. We have... Um, About 15 of these for 15 teachers over there, and we're just going to bring them goodie baskets to say thank you for pouring into our students.
3: And how can they sign up? They they can
4: come see me in the lobby afterwards today, um, or there is also going to be a sign-up link on our
3: Facebook page. Okay, fantastic. Let's get a quick round of applause for Jamie, guys. Thank you, Jamie. All you guys, we have got an absolutely amazing service plan for you today. Before we go any further, though, I would like to invite you to please stand up and turn to someone around you. And if you're watching online, turn to one of your family members and tell them what you would be doing today if it was actually sunny and 65.
0: Hey, everybody, this is Patrick, and I just wanted to say thanks again for watching our service today online and being a part of this community. Now, we know that you might have some questions as you watch the service today and want to find out a little bit more information about who we are. And so we've created an environment for you to do just that. Simply go to startingpoint.today, that's startingpoint.today, and fill out that short form, and one of our staff members will reach out to you very shortly and answer any questions that you have about our church and about who we are. Again, thanks so much for watching. We'll be back at the end of the service today. I uh, to give you a little bit more information, but we'll see you here in just a few minutes.
1: Well, I'm so glad to be with you guys. My name is Ryan, and I'm uh, the Worship Arts Director here, and today I wanted to introduce you guys a new song, introduce a new song to you that really just kind of encapsulates what we're going to be talking about today, and the song's called Living Hope, and my favorite line that I just want to encourage everyone to focus on as we sing it is uh, the chorus. It says, hallelujah praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah. Death has lost its grip on me. You've broken every chain. There's salvation in your name. Hallelujah. My God, my living hope. And uh, that's kind of where our hope is is in jesus christ and if you're kind of not of a follower of christ maybe you're here for the first time and you're just scoping out the whole jesus thing my encouragement to you is just let these words just kind of resonate with you just read them sit and just kind of soak it in uh, but if you are a follower of christ i just encourage you right now i'm going to teach it to you guys is that cool with you guys want to sing a new song with me okay cool so i'm going to teach it to you it goes like this
2: hallelujah Praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah. Death has lost its grip on me. You have broken every chain. This salvation in your name, Jesus Christ, my living hope. Are right, you saying? Hallelujah. The one who set me free Hallelujah Death has lost his grip You have broken every chain This salvation in your name Jesus Christ, my living hope
1: You guys got it? Alright, let's do this together
2: King of Kings, cause me is. beautiful Savior, I'm yours forever, Jesus Christ. Uh,
1: Sing it if you know it. Sing your name.
2: In your name, your name.
0: much for singing with us. And I want to say this, if, it, if it's your first time and you're like, wow, you know, this thing about a resurrected king and what does that even mean? And, you know, some of you have heard the story of Jesus, you've heard about his life, but when it comes to actually believing like he's a son of God or God, you're like, I don't, I don't know what I think about that. And I'll tell you, I'm like the most type A person. I totally understand uh, all those questions. I, I think for us here, one thing that we do believe, and we talked about this a few weeks ago, is that. When it comes to our lives, we know there's brokenness inside of every single one of us, right? There's brokenness, and that unites every single person in this room. But we also believe that there is a God, and the God of the universe loves us so much, cares for us so much, wants a relationship with us so much, pursues us so much, that he is both resurrecting our hearts and our lives, but then through people, he's also resurrecting the brokenness in the world and that we get to be a part of that and so we get really passionate about singing that because we believe it so deeply uh, because we've just seen story after story and, and person after person uh, who's experienced that so again thanks so much for singing with us uh, you can go ahead and have a seat uh, for those of you who don't know uh, my name is Patrick and uh, I'm so glad that you decided to join us and again if it's your first time and you drove out in the snow apocalypse of 2018 I'm, that's pretty impressive. That's that's pretty awesome. And for those of you who are watching, and maybe you're watching for the first time, or you're watching on Facebook, uh, wherever you are, or even if you're downstate, we're just so thankful uh, that you're here and that you're watching as well. Uh, if you don't know this, you know in Traverse City, uh, you know we're three and a half hours away um, from several of our other campuses that are around Metro Detroit, and so we have a ton of friends down there who do amazing things. Uh, we're part of a movement that is both, you know, here in Traverse City, uh, around Metro Detroit, uh, Orlando as well, and then all over the world. And so now if you're curious about our church, one thing that we're really passionate about is how do we, right, how do we reach out into the broken parts of both in our community and then, you know, globally as well. And so when you're a part of this place, you can know this, that you are a part of also helping to reach and help bringing healing to brokenness to a little over half a million people all over the world through our global partnerships. And so we're so excited uh, that you're here and, and you're a part of something that's so much bigger uh, than us and then so much bigger than, than, you know, any individual or anything like that. So we want to go and invite our to move forward, uh, we're going to go ahead and receive our offering. Uh, and everything that we do here is made possible by people just like you who give. And so, all the stuff that we're able to do globally, all the stuff that we do locally, uh, as you heard about Spring Serve coming up, all the things that we do like that are all made possible by people just like you uh, who are part of this place and a part of this place who give. And if you're watching online too, if you're on Facebook specifically right now, uh, what you can do on Facebook is we're going to be sending you a quick link in the comment section. Uh, if you want to be a part of this, or if you want to give, or if you're like, you know what, I usually give when I'm live, you can certainly do that still. You just go right there uh, to the website uh, that, that's, that's going to be putting in the comments, uh, and you can simply give there. And if you don't give online yet, we would love to ask you to do that. A lot of people do checks, but honestly, online is the quickest and easiest thing because half of us don't even know how to use pens anymore. So it's pretty great. Uh, so you can do that as well. It takes about 30 seconds to do that. Super easy. Uh, you can do that through text online. All you got to do is go to org slash give, kensingtonchurch.org slash give, uh, and you can do that as well. So uh, I know know Jamie and Mike talked about this a little bit, uh, but we're doing something called Spring Serve around here uh, in Traverse City, which we're so excited about. Uh, we really want to reach out into the community, specifically in the school that we're partnering with. Uh, and so I know Jamie already talked about this, but if you're looking for a next step in that, all you got to do uh, is if you have kids, you can pick up one of those uh, when you go pick up your kids down there. Uh, but we'd love for us to be a part of this because we really want to overwhelm uh, these schools with service and, and be a part of that. Uh, and if you're not really, you know, if you're just kind of visiting or you're attending and you're kind of curious about things, that's an easy way just to find out more about who we are and to find out more about our church. So you can do that by giving. Uh, the other thing I want to let you know about is we're doing something here for business leaders uh, in Traverse City uh, called the Global Leadership Summit, uh, or GLS. And what we're doing is uh, we just believe that if the leaders in our city get better, uh, then our city is going to get better, right? And so what we're doing is we're partnering with a church called Willow Creek in Chicago, and, uh, and we are going to be streaming some amazing content around this uh, with some incredible speakers, incredible business leaders. And so if you're someone who's a leader or if you're, you know, someone who's like middle level management, or if you're an intern at your company, but one day you're going to own the company, you know, if that's you, uh, this event is for you. I- I'll tell you, this is going to be an amazing thing. We're going to be able to learn so many practical leadership insights around that. So if you're interested in that, uh, you can go to the info station in the lobby and uh, and just let us know, and we'll kind of get you connected on what you need to do uh, to be a part of that. And the last thing I want to tell you too is we're doing Render uh, this week. If you're unfamiliar with Render, uh, or if you're watching downstate, Render is our Traverse City version of like a monthly mid week that we do and it's a much smaller environment where we kind of come together uh, and you're going to hear a brief message So nobody's complaining that the speaker's you know less time right so it's great for that Uh, You get to hear music. And then the other thing is, we like to connect afterwards. So we have people that typically stay around, you know, 30, 45 minutes afterwards. And and we have all sorts of uh, fun things that you can do after that as well. Uh, The last thing I want to tell you is, uh, we are in the middle of a series called Riding the Storm. And what we're doing is, we're talking about the storms that are in our lives and how do we navigate those well. Uh, Because the one thing that's true about all of us, we said this last week, is that we're either like in a storm right now, we just came out of one, or some of us have no idea that we're about to head into a storm. Uh, And so when it comes to that, we got to figure out how do we navigate those things uh, in a healthy way. So to get us thinking about that, we have a little video uh, that we'd love to show you just to get our minds kind of tuned in to that direction. So let's watch this video together. Okay, so the one thing that's true of every single person in this room, no matter if you are in your 50s, 60s, 70 years old, or if you're like 15, 16, 17 years old, uh, or if you're somewhere in between, maybe you're just starting your family, maybe you're about to become an empty nester this year, no matter where we are in our life stage, there's something that's true for every one of us, and that is that the storms in our life will come, that there will be problems that show up in your life that you have absolutely no control over. There are things that you want to have, happen in your life that don't seem like you can get any traction over, and those storms in our life are extraordinarily important to pay attention to. Right? The storms come, and when they come, you can't ignore them. You can't just cast them off. Some of you know people who have tried to do that. Some of you grew up in homes who, of people who tried to do that. Like your mom or dad, they just ignored anything that was kind of going on. They didn't talk about it. They didn't talk about it with you. And then, and then you just kind of had this, like, I know something's happening, but I'm not exactly sure you know, what it is. But when it comes to the storms in our lives, the thing that we can be certain of is there will be a moment where storms come. And when storms come, the way that we respond and the perspective that we have around those storms, storms is going to be extraordinarily important. And so last week we kicked off the series and we talked about what does it look like to like ride through the storm? Like what does it look like to ride that out and make sure that we do that in a healthy way and really make sure that the storms in our life don't end up breaking us. They don't end up breaking our character. They don't end up doing something, you know, to us that, you know, we never wanted to happen or end up to a place that we never wanted to go. And so we we launched last week into this series with one foundational principle that we're going to spend a little bit of time just kind of talking about in case you missed it. What we said last week was this, that God often uses our storms or the storms in our lives to transform, right? God often uses the storms in our lives to transform. And sometimes what he's doing is those storms come and they transform you. And then sometimes what happens is you. Your life begins to be transformed, but the lives of other people around you also begin to be transformed as well. That God ends up using these big storms in our lives to do something, and he's constantly transforming and changing our lives. And the way that we respond to it really kind of determines what all that looks like. But the problem with storms for us, and, and this is the part for me specifically that I struggle the most with, is I like control in my life. Real quick, how many of you, you're a little bit of a control freak? Be honest, right? Now spouses, if they didn't raise their hand, nudge them. Like do that too. You can do that at home, right? Like when it comes to storm, like, I, I like to be in control or at least have this perception of control in my life. But when it comes to the storms that come, and, and you know this, oftentimes we're left with a lack of control or, you know, craving control, but we can't ever quite figure that out. Uh, And you just can't make that happen. And so what happens a lot of times is we're either going to enter in, we said this last week, we're either going to enter into those storms with open handedness and say, you know what, there are things about this that I can't control, but the things that I can, I'm going to do, you know, exceedingly well, that I'm going to be as wise as I can possibly be. And I'm going to enter into it with a posture of faith and trust. Or what you're going to do is you're going to enter into that storm and ride that whole storm out. And you're going to be like, clenching the entire time, right? It's almost like if you have a toddler and you say, no, you know, you know, this kind of thing, it's like, no. And all of a sudden they're the smartest two-year-old in the whole world, right? And they come back at you with mine, right? My son, he's, he's two years old. He just learned the word mine. And every three seconds, it's like, that's mine. I was like, no, I brought you into this. No, I'm just kidding. I, I wouldn't say that, you know, <laughs> but it's, it's that whole deal. It's like, we do that too. We, we're going, you know, this is mine, Right? God, you know, I'm going through this. Why aren't you giving me my way? But the whole time, this is what we said last week, is that God is using these storms to transform us, and that we have no idea how God might use our storm to transform the life. Of somebody else, right? And so we looked at a passage that we're going to recap in just a few minutes uh, where, where Paul, a guy in, in the Bible, actually walked through a storm and God did amazing things to transform, you know, really both the people that were a part of it and, and then other people around him. But today we're going to talk about a very specific word. Uh, and it's a word that as soon as I put it on the screen, again, if you're anything like me and you're like type A and you're a little bit adverse to things that you can't control, right? This word you, you like, but you don't necessarily fully you know, agree with or believe in or subscribe to. And I'll tell you this, I'm always skeptical of anybody who uses this word or any time that they say this word. Uh, But it's so important and we're going to talk a little bit about it. But the word is this, right? We're going to talk about miracles for the next few minutes. Now, when we say miracles, miracles is always a fascinating thing because we all have kind of views on what miracles are. And, you know, is it supernatural kind of thing or is it not? Or, you know, for those of us in the room who are like me, what you'll say is, you know, I believe in miracles, but it's the, the everyday ones, you know, the ones that, you know, which are great and it's very, very true, but at the same time, you're, you're a little bit adverse, like the supernatural kind of things on that. And I'll tell you this, I, I'm, I'm as skeptical as anybody else, but here's how I know, right, that all of us believe in miracles to some extent. Some of you experienced this a few weeks ago, and even if you're not a follower of Jesus, you found yourself praying for a miracle during this moment. Am I Right. Like, you don't, you don't even have to be a Christian. You could be a Michigan State fan. And you're praying for that shot to go in and that a miracle would, in fact, happen. Is that right? Like, there's something in you, right, when you were in college, you remember this? Or you remember when you went to college and you didn't study for the exam because of, you know, you know it was crazy night for you. you. You didn't study for the exam. And you walked in, and you remember Scantrons? You, do you remember Scantrons? You walked in, and there was this 100-question bubble thing that was angry at you. You know, it was just sitting there making fun of you the whole time because it knew, and you knew, that you didn't know anything that was going to be on that test. And what did you do? You don't even believe in God. And what he said was, if, you know, if you're up there... If you could just help me to pass this so I could keep my scholarship and my dad won't hurt me. You know, that sort of thing. You prayed that prayer, right? Now, we all at some level at least described that miracles maybe could happen, right? It could happen. And one of my favorite movies when I was a kid uh, was this movie right here. Did anybody ever see Angels in the Outfield, which is one of my favorite, like, Disney movies? Do we have any baseball fans out there? Baseball fans, right? Yeah, baseball fans. So, you know, Angels in the Outfield is an incredible movie. You know, it's a kid's movie came out like 1994, I think. And this whole movie is based off of the idea that sometimes miracles happen around us that we're not even cognizant of or aware of. And so the premise of the movie is this, uh, this guy right here, uh, this guy right here, he's able to see angels. And at the end of the movie, right at the end of the movie, there's a washed up pitcher who's pitching and it's the last out for them to win the pennant. And this kid who sees angels technically doesn't even see an angel in the movie at this point, but what he does? As he stands up in this scene, and he begins to do this, which was the sign that, you know, something supernatural might actually occur. And the pitcher's on the mound, who just happens to be Tony Danza, right, which is, yeah, he's awesome. And so he's doing this, and he's on the mound. Danny Glover's on the mound, too, and they're having this talk, and they're both, like, looking around the stadium for all the people, including this guy, and my favorite, this guy, who... (laughs) all of a sudden believes in angels, right? Like anybody could believe in that moment when it comes to baseball because it's so beautiful and romantic. And there's this there's this line in the movie that whether you believe in miracles or you're adverse to miracles or you think that they're, you know, legit or not, there's something inside of us uh, The JP, who's the other kid, would always say, and he would say this, it could happen, right? Like it could happen. Now, the part of the story that kind of is like the the subtle, you know, kind of undertone to the story is that both of these kids, uh, you know, were looking to be adopted, right? This is the amazing part of the story. Both of these kids were looking to be adoptive. And what was pulling them out in some ways to look beyond themselves, to believe for something that was beyond them was this, that maybe it could happen, that maybe we could find a family. Maybe it could end up the way that we ultimately hoped it could be, right? And then the things that they couldn't control, there was something drawing them out to say it could happen. And that's true of us. That even in the most difficult parts of your life, even in the moments where you feel like you've lost hope, there's something deeply rooted inside of you that says, wait a minute, it could happen. And there's something in us that wants and kind of craves to be driven by that idea and that phrase. Now, uh, my son is two years old. Uh, His name is Henry, and uh, right before he was born... um, he uh my mom was planning on coming up to you know see the not see the birth we wouldn't do that Ooh. Uh, but she would come up and be a part of that whole experience and uh and so what what she did is she was planning on it. we had a whole trip planned and two weeks before uh they said hey we need to do a surgery on on her leg so she's gonna have this knee surgery and my mom is uh <laughs> well i won't say how old she is because if you're watching i love you um so um <laughs> i'm not stupid you know uh Anyway, so she's about to have knee surgery, and, uh, and so I'm sitting there. I'm sitting there with one of our family friends in the hospital waiting room, and they, they take her back. This is a very you know, easy, I guess, if it's easy surgery. It's supposed to be in and out. Uh, and so as soon as they gave her, I guess there's two rounds of the anesthesia. The first round of anesthesia, she you know, makes you kind of loopy. They give her that, and then they notice that there's a, this heart problem uh, right there on the table. And, and so the doctor comes out. Really immediately after that, and he looks at me and he said, I just want to let you know, we're not going to be able to do this surgery. We just discovered a heart problem, and then he left. And I'm like, I would like more information than that. You know, I'd love to know a little bit more. Like, this is what we know right now. Now, there's something inside of me, right? Now, I'm, I'm a pastor, you know, you know, which is all, you know, we're like, he's a pastor. I'm like the most, I hate that. I, mean, I love that I am, but I'm like, I'm the most, you know, average, you know, whatever. And if you want to know if a pastor is average, watch them in these moments, because just as much doubt as anybody has, I had it. And in that moment where I'm like, what are you, it's two weeks, you know, two, three, four weeks before Henry's supposed to be born. I'm feeling all the weight of this and questions and, you know, are you going to take care of my mom? Like, does this mean she can't travel up? Like, what does all that look like? And uh, so over the course of the next couple of days, uh, we were staying in the hospital as I checked her out. And I took this picture, I posted it a while back. Now, this is from our hospital room, our, her hospital room. Uh, And I was looking out and it was just happened to be rainy day, which makes it so much more melodramatic, you know, and. And I remember looking out and the thing that was constantly going on in my head, right, as a pastor, like a professional Christian, I remember praying like, I believe you're up there and I think that you're good. But if you do this, then I don't know if we're going to be good and I'm going to have doubt. And I had all this like angst and like worry and God, if you're up there, I need you to do what I can't do and what I can't control. And some of you have felt this when it comes to a job. Some of you have felt this when it comes to a marriage. Some of you have felt this when it comes to your relationships with friends. It's like, I am out on a limb, and I can't control what happens next. And if you're up there, I need you to show that you're up there. Now, I never actually looked at the definition of what a miracle was, but I found this last night. I think it's so good. This is out of Merriam-Webster's dictionary. It says, Miracles are an extraordinary event Manifesting divine intervention in human affairs. That there is this divine intervention in what we can't control. And that something bigger than us steps into that brokenness and does what we can't do. The last uh, maybe month, I have probably had... Seven conversations, I think it's seven, seven conversations with couples, and one of the spouses either left or, you know, they're saying, I need space. And the other spouse, right, we talk about this all the time, the stuff is like, I can't make them do what I want to do. And I'm like, that is, that is accurate. You can't. <laughs> I can't force them to, you know, you can't. And you feel all this weight, and I need something beyond me to show up. Some of you feel this when it comes, again, to that job. You had no idea that you were going to be laid off, and you're looking, and you're like, I'm, I'm 50 or I'm 60. How do, I, how do I navigate this? And what you're deeply wanting is this divine interruption in your human affairs of life. What you want is a miracle that you can't control. So over the next few minutes, I want to look at one of the most fascinating people in the Bible. And the guy's name uh, that we're going to look at is a guy named Paul. We talked about Paul last week. Uh, We talked about Paul Paul quite a bit because Paul ended up writing about half the New Testament. Uh, And if you, you know, you don't read your Bible very often, you know, there's two kind of parts to it. But it's weird because it's not split in half. So really like the last quarter maybe of the Bible is the New Testament. Uh, And Paul was a key figure in this. Now Paul's fascinating because Paul was a guy that looked at early Christianity and he actually like was angry at it, persecuted it right paul was around when they were doing some horrible things to christians but the other thing that was so fascinating is paul is you know he's a lot like you if you're that type a you know you're highly intelligent you know that kind of person paul would have known probably multiple languages paul was incredibly 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 smart and what he did is he he said he 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 said that he was gonna you know Persecute, he was a part of these persecutions of Christians. And then he meets Jesus in this powerful way. Like a powerful way that completely changes the trajectory of his whole life. And when he does, all of a sudden he went from like persecuting Christians or, you know, as they would have said, like followers of a way. And all of a sudden he went and he was the guy that ended up taking this, uh, this this truth of who Jesus was and what Jesus did, the truth of his death and resurrection. And he went and he started churches all over the ancient world. And he took it from, you know, one small demographic of people, and his goal is to really take it to all people. And so Paul goes around the ancient world, he starts to plant a lot of these churches, he's a part of these churches, it's this beautiful and, and amazing thing that he's a part of. But as you read through Paul's life and Paul's journey, right, you begin to discover there's these highs, but there's these very, 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 very deep lows. And he would enter into cities, and sometimes they'd be you know, a little bit welcoming, but you know, more often than not, they were frustrated at what was going on. Because he was disrupting both the political structures and political powers of the time and the religious structures, and he was teaching on things that people you know, they felt angst about. And there was this one scenario where he goes, and, and he's with his partner at this time, Silas, and he and Silas show up to this area, uh, this ancient kind of area of the world, this, this smaller town. And he shows up there and they start teaching on these things, and then something miraculous happens. But when it miraculously happens, the people around, especially the leaders, felt this angst about it. And so this large crowd that had been watching what had gone on, a lot of them were leaning in, all of a sudden when the miraculous thing happens, the crowd turns into a mob and they, they, they kind of focus their energy and they focus their attention. On Paul and Silas. And they end up getting arrested and and pulled aside. And and here's what it says in Acts. Here's the account that we get of what happens. So the crowd, who ends up becoming a mob, joined in the attack against, specifically Paul and Silas. And the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. And after they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison. And the jailer was commanded to guard them Carefully Now, I love this, right? In our time, we don't really think about this too much. But if you imagine, like, going into a city, and you're teaching something that's disrupting the whole thing, and they were so threatened by what was being taught, that they took the two guys that were teaching it, and they they saw the miraculous things that were going on. They they took these two guys. They said, no, 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 we can't have any of that. And they beat them. And then they, they, they pull them aside and they're going to put them in jail. So he, here's what it says next. It says this. It says, when he received these orders, this being the jailer, when he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. Now, one of my good friends, he's the lead pastor at our Birmingham campus. His name is Cliff Johnson. Cliff is one of the – he's a genius guy. Like, he's a brilliant, brilliant guy, like Bible scholar-esque. He finds all these, like, fun little facts around things. Uh, and when it comes to this, we, he was talking about this uh, in, in some of the notes that we were passing back and forth. And he said this, that the inner cell and the stocks are extraordinarily significant, right? This isn't like downtown Traverse City jail. This is not what we're talking about. What we're talking about here is they were kind of, a lot of scholars would say that they were put in like this innermost cell where it was dark, and then the stocks would have been fascinating because it wasn't just handcuffs, right? This would have been something that was designed, a lot of scholars would say this, is designed to both create an enormous amount of discomfort where they couldn't maneuver even within the cell that they were locked in, in the way that they needed to maneuver. You can imagine like the cramping that would have come because they were locked up in the ways that they were locked Up. And the jailer would have been a part of all this. Now, what happens next, I can promise you, is not what I would have immediately responded with. In fact, if you're not a follower of Jesus, what's going to happen next is going to feel like the most churchy thing that you've ever heard in your life. And I want to unpack why I think it's so important uh, and why it matters. But when you read the words, it feels a little bit like you're taken back. Here's what it says next. It says, about midnight... Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Now I want you to think about this for just a second. Beaten in these like shackles or stocks. In this inner cell. There's all these other prisoners around. Presumably people who should be locked up, you know. And the response of Paul and Silas in this moment. In this storm that they didn't ask for. (laughs) Is praying... And singing hymns to God. Now, I I never wake up in the morning and think, I'm just going to sing hymns to God. Like that's not really my personality. The idea that when a storm comes, that I'm just going to sing. Some of you are like, I can't sing. And we would agree with you. You know, like, you shouldn't. Your wife tells you. If you could just, in the shower, if you just tone that down, you know. But I think what's deeper than the singing, and maybe even, like, The praying and calling out to God was what they were reminding themselves of. Because in the moments of our lives when it's the darkest, in the moments of your life and my life when you don't have control over the the problems that are kind of focused on that, it's easy to lose sight of the character of God and be presented with only what's in front of you in your circumstances. Now maybe there's a supernatural thing to singing, I, I don't know. And maybe there's this like praying and everything just shifted in that moment. I think, obviously, you could look at the text and say, they prayed and something happened, and we'll discover in a second. But I think, just, at least, just as beautiful as that, Now these two men that didn't deserve to be in this position, in a storm that they didn't ask for, reminding themselves of the beauty and the goodness and the providence and the plan of the God of the universe. You say it like this, and I think this is so true for us. And when you don't understand the why, you have the opportunity to lean into the who. When you don't understand the why, we all have this opportunity to say, you know what, I don't understand why this is happening, but if I'm going to bend a direction, I know the direction I'm going to bend in. I'm going to bend towards the God who has shown himself faithful over and over and over again. Now, uh, for me, I... uh, when I was a kid, I, I knew that I wanted to, to be a pastor pretty early on. Like I knew that I wanted like, a, the trajectory of my life, I hope, would go that way. It was either that or John Mayer. Like I'd be the next John Mayer or the next Major League Baseball player. And neither one of those things were going to happen, clearly. Uh, and, and I just felt like this draw to that. But there was this thing where I led worship early on for a long time, right? So I was the guy that, you know, stand up and played the songs and, you know, sang and people sang back. And I always thought it was the most fascinating thing. And I did it for a middle school ministry. When I, mean, I was in eighth grade, that's how I got started in it. And, uh, and one of the guys in our middle school ministry uh, was just the most amazing, amazing guy. His name was Drew. Uh, Drew had cerebral palsy. And uh, Drew would come every single Sunday. And so I'd be leading. And if, you know, some of you can, you can see the auditorium. But like on the second or third row, Drew was there every single time. You know, and all the students, you know, a lot of, you know, middle school students, they were singing. And, you know, some of them were into it. And some of them were just there because they were checking out girls. You know, that was kind of the whole thing in middle school ministry as well. But Drew, every single week, he would, he would sing over and over and over and over. It was passionate singing. It was just this beautiful thing. He would move to the music, which is an incredible thing. And I remember just asking him one day, right? I'm you know, this an eighth grader going to ninth grade. I'm like, hey, like, you seem so passionate about it. You're more passionate than I am. And I'm the guy holding the little guitar thing on stage. Like, what are you so passionate about? And I'll never forget this. I, I, I wrote it down. He said this, the songs remind me of who God is and how much God loves me. Like maybe there's this beautiful power, supernatural, amazing thing in it. I believe that there is because I think that's beautiful and supernatural and powerful. But for Drew, who had a lot of reasons to be angry with God and frustrated with God. And for Drew, Drew's saying, it reminds me of who God is in the storm when all I can see is chaos and pain and, and difficulty. This past week I was... I was feeling like distant and struggling through a couple of things. And and I wanted that principle to be true in my life you know, at 30. I wanted, I wanted that principle to be true. And what I do for me, you know, I don't necessarily just cut on songs and sing them, you know, but I'll go back and read through the ways that God's been faithful in the past. So I posted this picture and I wanted to show you real quick. This is my Bible from uh, high school. Uh, and I'd never got that whole, like, you shouldn't write in your Bible thing. I always wrote in my Bible because someone told me to, and uh, it was so helpful. And so now when I get to go back and read it, I go back. Now, here's the beautiful part about this. You know, this is, I wrote most of this stuff 10, 15, sometimes 20 years ago, right, in, in these little Bibles and journals. When I see this and a storm comes up in my life, the very, one of the very first places that I go to, and I'm so passionate about have this bookshelf in my house with all these journals and Bibles, is I can go back and remind myself of who God is and what he's done. That the faithfulness of God God is true because he's shown up over and over and over again. And I remind myself of that beauty. Now, I think Paul and Silas in this jail cell, you know, stocks, you know, this whole deal, feeling the the discomfort, other people hearing them, they're singing these songs. I imagine they're terrible singers because it makes that whole imagery more fun. But deeply reminding themselves of the God who has a bigger plan than this moment and a bigger plan And what they were currently looking at. And what happens next seems like this amazing miracle, and it was, but there was something even further on. It says this. So suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And at once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. Now I love this. It wasn't that just Paul and Silas's chains came off and the stocks came off. It wasn't that. (laughs) It was that all the prisoners' chains came loose. Now, this would have been a huge deal because if all the prisoners would have run and got away, that's a big deal for the jailer. This miraculous, beautiful moment would have taken place. And then then watch what happens next. (laughs) The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. (laughs) I love it. And he draws his sword because he knew what was coming to them if all of these prisoners got free. And he draws his sword to commit suicide. Now, if I'm Paul and Silas in this moment, the last thing that I'm thinking about is, well, you know, I'm just going to sit down right here. I am running. Like, I am going fast. Like, I am out of there. And what I'm doing the entire time is singing louder than I ever have because I'm looking out going, he rescued me. But that would have put all of the focus back on me. And the beautiful part about this is that there's this miracle that their chains fell off. And there's this miracle that there's this freedom happening around them. But they knew the character of God and they knew that the heart of God was for all people. And that running away from this and having a jailer who had committed suicide in that moment probably wasn't God's ultimate plan for the moment. Watch what Paul says next. So Paul shouts, don't harm yourself. We're all here. Now, if you don't believe in miracles, I guess I would say this. The fact that Paul got all the other prisoners to sit back down is a miracle in and of itself. Like, what do you say to that guy who's 427 pounds with muscles the size of your head? You know, it's like, hey, if you could just real quick. I love you, man. You look great. Strong. Tattoo is amazing. Like everything. Sit, please. You know? How does that work? All of them sit back down. And in my mind, they're like my two-year-old son who's, you know, as anal as I am. They gather all the stocks together, you know? Let's just put them all in the center. We'll just sit here. And they're posing. You know? It says this. The jailer called for the lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Now, I don't think that question, no, this is me, this is telling me. I don't think that question is just because the earthquake happened. I think that question is because what is it in you that causes you to think about me even in the way that I treated you? Like, what is it in you that is so open-handed and selfless that says, here, I'm going to sacrifice so that you may live? And they replied with this, believe in the Lord Jesus. And he begins to tell what he's been preaching the whole time. Believe the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all the others in the house and their family. And it goes on, it says this. And at the hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all of his household were baptized and professed this faith in Jesus. What if the miracle that you're experiencing isn't just for you, as we said last week, but it was for others? But even, even bigger than that, what if the miracle that you're praying for and hoping for isn't even the miracle that God wants to do in your life? Now, I hate cheesy statements just as much as you do, but I also want you to deeply remember this. And cheesy statements always win on that, right? And so what I'd love for you to do is, is I'm going I'm to show you this. And I'm going to have you read it with me just for a second. And if you're watching online, maybe you're in Starbucks, it's going to be real weird for you. You don't have to say it out loud. Just mouth it, you know. Or if you're sitting with your family, maybe you could say this, everybody together. That'd be fun. But I think if every person in this room understood this, it would change the posture of our heart and the posture of our lives. And that's this. The miracle that you perceive is sometimes not the miracle that you receive. Now, I'm not a gra- grammar person, so I don't even know if that makes sense. But it's sounded kind of great in my head. But the miracle that you're looking for, right, the miracle that you're perceiving and this perception that you have of your reality is sometimes not what God gives you. Not what God gives you. So, all right, on three, we're going we're gonna to all read this together because I want you to remember it. And you're going you're to be great. Men, go ahead and take that deep breath so you can sound masculine. It'll be great. Um, so let's do this. you watching online, right? Watching online, we'll do this together. You ready? On the count of three, one, two, three, let's say it. The miracle you receive is sometimes Miracle you receive. All right, we're going to do like a choir, so um, guys, we'll do this second. Ladies, go ahead, take a deep breath. We want you to do this as well. Take a deep breath. We're going to say this together just the women in the room and online on three. One, two, three. The miracle. you perceive sometimes you receive. You do it in harmony, which is always weird, but I love how women do that. That's great. All right, fellas, one last time with everything you got. Brave hearts, let's do this. One, two, three. The miracle you perceive is sometimes not a miracle. Now, what if the storm that you're facing with the miracle that God has for you on the other side, he's doing and you're just unexpected of it? What would happen if the God of the universe loved you so much that he said, you're praying for this, but I actually have something better and I have a plan that is bigger than you can imagine? I want to skip the next one. Let's go to that, that last slide with the square if we can. I'm going to show you this, and this is a prayer that I try to pray uh, as frequently as as I can, especially when I lose perspective on what God may be doing and when I'm grasping at control. The prayer is this. God, I surrender to whatever you have for my life, and ultimately my hope is in you. But at the end of the day, there are things that I control and things that I can't control. And when storms come around me, there are things that I can do and there are things that I can't do. But at the end of the day, when all that's said and done, God, I'm going to choose to surrender to whatever you have for my life. Now, uh, I'll tell you a quick story. I tell this story all the time because uh, I think it's it's so true. But this is the most recent version of this. Now, for me, about, uh, it's been about three years from, uh, ago. Uh, we were at a place and in jobs that, you know, it was, it was a great place. It just wasn't the right place for us. And we were kind of struggling through some of the things around that and, uh And there was a season towards the end of it where I was frustrated and angry and completely, like, out of control, like, not out of control in terms of my actions, but, like, I felt I had no control over the circumstances. Uh, And we were pregnant at the time. Uh, We didn't know what we were going to do at the time. We had, you know, very little clarity. And during this season of my life, what I always was taught, and maybe this is good, maybe this is not, but what I would do is I would actually come... To these moments with all of my frustrations, all of my anger, and all of my questions for God. And I'd, and I'd go to God and say, hey, here's all of it. Here's all of the brokenness and the angst. Here's everything that I've got. Uh, and, and here's every bit of it. And I would pray these prayers expecting that all of a sudden a miracle or something miraculous would come. And it would happen just the way that I wanted it to. And I kept praying very specifically around these things. Um, and then there was a moment for me. Um, where I felt like God did something extraordinarily inside of me before he ever did something on the outside to answer my prayers. And so what I would do is late every night after, uh, well, hopefully around the time that Emily would go to bed, I would take this little chair uh, that had like two arms on it. And I would set it on the driveway door or the driveway uh, area. And I just sat it there in the middle of the night and I would just sit there for 30 minutes, an hour. I looked like Clint Eastwood in like some creepy, you know, old man, angry movie, you know, like that with me joggers would come by, I was like, is he okay? You know, like all that would happen. And and I would just sit there and I'd pray every almost every night over and over again. And I was struggling and angry and questioning all these things. And I remember I would journal either afterwards or, you know, during, like what I was thinking and feeling and how I was processing it. And uh, And this prayer really sprung up from a lot of that. And it was one night in particular, and you know, it wasn't like God stepped out of heaven and you know Morgan Freeman's voice showed up and spoke to me, even though that would have been awesome. That's not how it worked for me. But I just had this overwhelming thought that if you will let go of trying to control everything that you can't control, then maybe I'm going to do something that you had no idea I was going to do. And so I'm sitting there night after night after night, and it almost felt like looking back that God was almost waiting on me to surrender fully before he would do or even answer the prayer. And so... I sat there and finally that happened and I turned all this down. This is a prayer that I pray. God, I surrender whatever you have for my life. And my hope is in you. All of my hope is in you. I've been a follower of Jesus for a long time. There are still days where I say I choose to surrender again all of it and all of my hope is in you. And about... Two weeks later, right, after all that happened, I began to pray. God began to move and reveal, you know, like these amazing steps. And we came across Kensington and, you know, all of these things we're going to have. We never even heard of Traverse City before. That was a thing for we never even, but then we looked it up. And we're like, that, I bet they get snow there, you know? I bet, I bet it snows sometimes. We didn't know it snowed in April, but, you know. It, um. Sorry. And I remember this happened for me. After we walked through the process, after we knew we were coming here, God answered prayers that I've been praying since I was like 12. And I just remember thinking, if I would have had my way, if you would have solved the storm in the way that I wanted you to solve the storm, uh, then I would have missed out on your best for my life. Some of you are here, and you're sitting in the marriage thing, and you're like, I don't know how I'm going to solve it. And the truth is, you can't really maybe you can't solve it like that, but you can say, God, I surrender and I'm going to do everything that you're leading me to do. And I'm going to have wisdom and I'm going to, you know, you do that. Some of you are in this room and you're like, I look out of the job stuff. Maybe you're like me, like I'm frustrated and angry and and God's just like, when are you going to trust me to be your provider? Some of you, you have all sorts of addictions that nobody knows about, but it's like private and it's internal and you kept it. And I want freedom from that. I want to take a next step. And you've been, your hope has been in your ability to solve it. And God's like, I'm on the other side of this going, just trust me. Trust me. We sang earlier, uh, the foundation of Christianity is a resurrected Savior who's resurrecting things back to himself. And if you believe that, What would it look like if the God of the universe is resurrecting your heart and changing you and transforming you in the ways that he needed to? But it has nothing to do with the way that you perceive reality right now. So in a second, we're going to sing a song. And uh, I wanted to give you the lyrics of this song before we sang it because I think they're so powerful. And some of you in the room today, you you need to like act in faith like Paul and Silas did, not because you're expecting something you know, crazy to happen, but because you just need to remind yourself of who God is. Some of you are here and you're like, I've been distant from God, I don't believe in God, I'm angry at church people, I don't like church people, I'm here because somebody invited me and we were going to go out to eat, but we can't even do that now, but you came anyway, you know? And, and for you, it's like, will you just crack your heart, open it up, and open it up just to say, Maybe, maybe you're, maybe you just need to go have that angry prayer like I did. Just sit the chair down and be like, if you're up there, you know. What would it look like for every single one of us in the room? This is what I hope. Is that as these words pop up on the screen, that you sing it or you look at it or you read it. These words do something in our heart to remind us that there are miracles. And that God is working in this human existence that we have in ways that we can't control. And that we will choose to be surrendered to those ways. Here's what the song says. says, I'm no stranger to the prison. I've worn shackles and chains. But I have been freed and forgiven. I've been freed and forgiven. And I'm not going back. I'll never be the same. That's why I sing. I've been freed and forgiven. And the reason that we sing is this reminder of who God is. That's why I sing. If you've done something, or I'm believing you to do something. And then the chorus says this, and I think it's so, so incredible. It says, all my hope, all my hope, all my hope is in Jesus. Thank God my yesterdays are gone. All my sins are forgiven. I've been washed by the blood. And that's such a weird, weird phrase. But what that means is this, that, that for you, God sent Jesus into the world to die. And it's through that death and resurrection that these, this resurrection of all things happening around us is made possible and is evident. And that we get to allow ourselves to be taken up in that resurrecting power that's all around us. So I'm going to ask you one question and we're going to pray. And the question is this. Want, will you surrender your version of what the miracle looks like to God? this is what I hope for, this is what I want, I'm going to pray specific prayers, but whatever it is that you want to do, God, here I am, I surrender it to you, will you do that, and for those of you who are like, I don't even know if I believe about God, and all the, whole deal and Jesus, that, that's, that's great, I'm so glad you're here, question for you is, what I want you to do is go, how long am I going to try to do it on my own, how long are you going to do this, before you do this. That's okay. I think I tell people all the time: pick a date. Like, say it's a year from now. Mark it down. Put in your calendar. Have your secretary remind you. Or whatever that is. Just pick a date. That finally you'll say, "I'm not going to do it my own, but I'm going to trust you to do what only you can do." Let me pray for us. Uh, I'm going to ask you to stand, actually. I'm going to ask you to stand, and I'll pray for us. Then we'll wrap up. Father. I think most all of us know that there are things in our lives that we can't solve on our own. And that there is this divine disruption to those things that are in our hearts and our lives. You know, you've taught us over and over and over again through history, through our lives, that you are present. Some of us were so angry that you didn't do things our way. And we, have, we can't even see on the side of it the beauty in it yet. God, inspire us and help us to trust that that beauty is still there. God, I pray for the person in the room who is not a follower of you and they have anger. Some people in the room are just angry. They're angry at you. God, I, I pray that they would embrace all of those emotions and all that anger and all that frustration. And that they would just, they really would, they would just pick a time that they're going to give up on doing it on their own and, and open their hands and surrender towards you. And God, I ask whenever that moment is, if that's now, I hope that's now, but if it's not now, that you would meet them there. The same way you met me in that chair as I was in my driveway, you would meet all of us in that space. And then we would follow you and trust you. in Jesus' name.
2: here Stranger to the prison have warm share.
0: Yeah, sorry, I, I'm gonna grab him. Uh, so, I'm gonna tell you real quick. Yeah, so I was back there, like, I was trying to sing with you, but my voice doesn't sound as good as yours. Pretty good. Hey, real quick, uh, this is Jim McCormick. Jim's one of our worship leaders here. It's the first time singing on stage with us, right? First time, yeah, fantastic job, man. Thanks so much. Thanks so much. Yeah, dude, absolutely. Cool. Well, hey, thanks so much for making the check-in here if you were live. And for those of you who are watching online, thanks so much for watching on Facebook or on the Kennedy website, however that works for you. Um, and then one more time, i like to just pray that winter or spring would come now. I'm just kidding. Let's not do that. but. Uh That'd be great. Hey, be safe on the way home and, uh, and enjoy the rest of your week. Next week, we're continuing this series, uh, Riding in the Storm. is going to be an incredible week, great opportunity uh, to invite people to this. And then if it's your first time and you came in today and you braved the apocalyptic winter, uh, we have an environment outside uh, called Starting Point. Uh, it's right in the lobby. We'd love to connect with you out there and give you any uh, details you want about our church. Again, thanks so much for being here. We'll see you right back here next Sunday at 9 or 11. Great. And thank you so much for watching online. We hope you enjoyed your experience today. Uh, For those of you who are downstate, again, thanks so much for for being a part of this here in Traverse City. Uh, We're so glad that you took time and joined us up here. Uh, And I want to let you know a couple of things. Uh, The next steps from this talk, there's a couple that could really help you out depending on what you're walking through right now. Uh, So for some of you, you're struggling when it comes to your marriage. You're like, I just need help. I just need to, part of your surrender is just reaching out to somebody who can come alongside of you. Uh, At all of our campuses, we have marriage mentoring. It's a powerful, powerful way uh, for you to invite some. Into your story, that can walk alongside of you uh, through your storm. It's a great opportunity for you to do that. The other thing that we would love to encourage you to do is, if you're not currently in a small group, small groups are an amazing opportunity for you just to gather people around you uh, to again to walk you through whatever is going on in your life, but also to remind you when you need reminding. Who God is and how He can walk you through that. So, again, uh, if you need to take those steps, you can get it around the Kensington website. It's kensingtonchurch.org. You can find out all the information about groups and marriage mentoring right there. Again, thanks so much for watching. We'll see you right back here next Sunday. See you soon.